Good evening, everyone. And uh, Tom is away, so I guess I get to chair the meeting to um, Dave. So I uh, will declare the uh, regular meeting of town council by electronic means open at 5 p.m. So we have the agenda. Were there any changes to that agenda? Okay, would someone like to move the acceptance of the agenda? Uh, Oren? Okay, all those in favor? Great, it's carried. Uh, we have uh, two sets of minutes, the minutes of June 22nd. We had a chance to review them. Anything to be changed? Otherwise, I'd accept a motion. Don Good. Okay, all those in favor? Carried. Uh, the minutes of July 7th, a hearing under the sections uh, 545 and 546 of the MGA. Had a chance to review them. Someone care to move their acceptance? Uh, Mr. Needham, all those in favor? Thank you. Um, do we have any public hearings, Mr. Town? Uh, no public hearings, uh, Deputy Mayor. Thank you. Okay, now we're on to the presentations section of our um, agenda. And we have the Voices of Albertans with Disabilities Accessibility presentation with, I believe, Sam Mason. So Sam, we'll just mute ourselves and you're on when you're on. Okay, can you all see this? Yeah, okay. Oh, Zoom. Um, okay, I'm just gonna, perfect, let's do that. Just kidding, I can't read then. Okay, I'm gonna try and keep this brief. Um, you can all still see my slideshow, correct? Okay, good. Uh, yes. <laughs> perfect, so um, I do want to just quickly start by acknowledging that I'm presenting here from Amiskwachewaskahagan in Tree 6 territory, but speaking to you members in residing in Tree 8 territory, which I understand the town of Peace River has a um, very good and close relationship with a lot of First Nations communities and Indigenous communities in the area. I will also just do a brief context of what we are talking about when we talk accessibility, because there are many definitions out there, um, many meanings of what accessibility um, could mean. So I'm just going to do a little bit of a context. Um, my number here says approximately half a million people in Alberta, but I've seen a more recent number that says closer to 600,000 people in Alberta identify as living with a disability. Um, I have these types of disabilities just um, because I think a lot of times people get stuck on kind of the three major mobility, vision impairment, and hearing loss. Sorry, my dog's being horrible. Um, and so I just wanted to highlight those as well. And then I just quickly want to go over the definition that I use um, for accessibility, which I've adapted from the Accessible Canada Act, which defines both barrier and disability. And so I've just reworked that into the removal of those, that definition of barrier. Um, and I just really like to point to this one that it, um, it does highlight temporary disability or episodic disabilities, which 
I think often also get forgotten about. Um, just imagine anyone who's broken a limb, um, they also can experience those same struggles or there's MS, of course, is an episodic um, disability. So I just like this definition for that reason. And I'm just gonna briefly go over some research we did last year um, for National Access Ability Week, which was um, two municipalities. And so uh, we sent out 30 um, emails. We were able to get 12 responses. Um, as you can see, we've got a population range from towns under 2000 to over a million in population. I do want to acknowledge that the limitations here is that we did have a little bit of um, an underrepresentation of Northern Alberta. So I'm really happy to be speaking with you today because that uh, that demographic didn't get spoken to as much. Um, so that's just some stuff. Here were some kind of uh, basic findings we found, and you can let me know if these resonate with. You. Oh gosh, sorry, I'm starting to make it bigger. <laughs> Okay, if these resonate with kind of what your town experience is. And so um, we mostly saw that uh, there was a pretty even split on if anyone had any kind of official bylaw or policy around accessibility, um, but 75% of municipalities told us they have sort of unofficial or ad hoc policies. So I don't know if that rings true to Peace River as well. Um, there was kind of Again, not too much on if there's any residential input in accessibility issues. Um, more, most people said no. Um, and sort of underneath there, one of the big, the two biggest findings we have is that old infrastructure and heritage buildings and funding tend to be the biggest barriers for municipalities to improve their accessibility, which I'm sure is something that you can also attest to. Um, it's pretty unanimous in almost any municipality I talk to. And then we had any kind of, do you have any innovative examples of sort of addressing accessibility issues in your community? And again, pretty even split. Um, I think especially when you kind of look to our smaller municipalities, which we had quite a few, they sort of do it on a person by person basis or whatever, um, instead of it in a larger uh, policy kind of place. Um, and then I just had this quick slide because I just thought this was an interesting from the census for uh, from 2016. There seems to be uh, a little bit of a drop off when you get into the older population. Um, and like in Peace River. And so I'm just curious as to why that might be. And obviously, you probably have some um, insight into that. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't ever want to correlate disability with aging. Um, but it is to be said that we are an aging population, and therefore accessibility issues are um, becoming more top of mind and more kind of prevalent um, as we age. As there is a anecdote that by the time we each reach the age seventy one, everyone will have experienced eleven years of disability. So. It definitely, the correlation of disability does increase as you age. So I'm just, I thought this was a curious stat. Um, so either these people have in this slide have moved into that aging kind of the retirement age um, position or have possibly moved out of Peace River. And 
I just found that very interesting and a place where we can maybe talk to that in during question period. And then I just am going to, sorry, I'm blowing through this. I thought I wouldn't have very much time. Um, I just wanted to kind of talk about the case of where accessibility is going in this country. Um, I We passed the Accessible Canada Act last summer in Canada. So that is for anything under federal jurisdiction. There are moves towards making that more accessible um, and to a place where it's on the onus of uh, the state to be accessible then rather than on sort of human rights legislation or the charter, which usually puts the onus on the person who might be getting discriminated against to fight those battles. So um, there are four provinces currently that have accessibility legislation. Um, Alberta is talk, in talking about it. So I sit on a committee that has been kind of meeting with the Minister Sahani's office and it's definitely something that's on the table. So I just uh, sort of look to all of the legislations that exist currently um, as I drafted this sort of presentation and how I like to kind of approach it with a municipality focus because um, there's a lot of use in um, crafting your own process so that when the, if there is ever legislation in the province, you can be like, we already have taken these steps and we'll have a better understanding um, and can push back against maybe if they start, if the legislation's sort of top down and kind of heavy handed, you can be like, we've already kind of made these steps. So it does give municipalities a little bit more um, leeway if they've already sort of started at this process, especially as we talk legislation in the province. So out of the four acts, they all sort of follow this same premise. And so typically we begin with a committee or a ministry appointed kind of group advisory board, um, depending on what works for your citizens and your constituents. Um, this could just be you allowing space for citizens to come together and have these discussions and then you meet with them every so often or you could put in a bunch of resources and you could create a complete advisory board where um, you have sort of like a mandate with them, but it can look however you want. It does have to though, for sure, consist of people with disabilities, um, caregivers and family members, and really importantly, I business owners, because um, often they'll be the ones who will push back really often in accessibility legislation. So having them involved in the process kind of makes it easier for everyone to work together. And then from there, that committee typically will create some sort of accessibility standard. Um, and the most often, the most frequent uh, standards are in customer service, information and communications, public space, employment and transportation. But that, again, community driven can look whatever is uh, most prevalent in Peace River. And then finally, there's some criteria set out about who's gonna do what, how they are going to do it, and by when they will have it done. Um, because we all know this isn't an overnight change and it's always working and there will always be new technologies coming out and better ways to do things. So um, that's sort of the next piece. And then finally, there is um, 
the accountability piece, which we are really failing at kind of in as a whole in this country right now. And I think even the Americans with Disabilities Act, which has been around for 30 years, has not really gotten this right. So I think it's easier to do on a smaller scale when you um, kind of know everyone in your community. So uh, typically accountability looks like either spot checks um, or a report or like an incident report type thing. Sorry. Um, so that again can look however is decided best in the community. And then I just have sort of a few recommendations I like to give and suggestions, um, things that kind of get the ball rolling a little bit more. And I had a really good conversation with Ruth and Alicia this afternoon about um, how you have already done a lot um, with your own council chamber. And so I, I really appreciate that this is a conversation that's being had. And I guess what we sort of acknowledged is maybe the citizens don't see it as much. And so there might be just ways that we can champion more about the efforts that are ha happening behind the scenes kind of thing. Um, but yeah, starting your own process, having your own committee be sorted, um, doing a general call out to see if anyone's interested in that, trying to find feedback from the community about what um, has gone well, what's not gone as well. Um, definitely getting the community involved and making, taking it off your plate and getting um, citizens who experience this or have loved ones who experience it to kind of drive that is really great. And then, yeah, sharing what you've been doing, um, what steps are being taken, kind of understanding where the downfalls are and like addressing that with community and saying, we understand we need to find funding and we need to secure it. Um, the more communication, uh, the better I find with this community for sure. And then there's just a few other kind of, I think I sent this presentation over so you should have access to all of these, but these are some sort of base level, there's an accessibility statement generator. So it kind of can go through your website against uh, website content accessibility guidelines and address where things are accessible and where they aren't. Um, there is ways to create accessibility policies. I am advising and consulting on one that's happening in Southern Alberta. So I'm happy to be involved in this process, uh, creating again, a committee and then a plan. So kind of every infrastructure project and everything going forward, just bringing that accessibility lens into it um, instead of it being one of those things that kind of gets forgotten about or as an afterthought. And then I do have a link on our website to different resources. I know you are aware of the Enabling Accessibility Fund. Um, there's a couple other grants on there. There's a few other kind of where Ontario is, they are at the point where the municipalities are hitting a deadline where they need to be at a certain place. So that's a good benchmark I like to look at. Um, that's all available on our website. And I can just pop that in the chat as well. Um, yeah, and I think that's all I really have. We'll stop screen sharing. Um, and I would like to have more of a conversation and any questions. Uh, thank you. Uh, you mentioned um, on that one slide about a drop off. You mean Peace River being younger uh, beyond 45 than most other communities or in Alberta, I guess it is. Is that what you were meaning? Yeah, it just looks like um, 
just from the 2016 stats. So obviously we're a little bit far out from that now. Um, but while most, a lot of the populations I've seen in the municipalities are aging, it does seem to be like, it kind of gets to that point and then sort of falls a little bit. So I, I just thought it was curious and I was wondering if there was any reasons you might know of for that. I have some thoughts, but unsubstantiated. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. You know, all speculation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I know that uh, Peace River. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started um, looking at uh, sidewalk accessibility in terms of physical uh, parts of things, and I think uh, we're kind of moving along on that aspect. And I know uh, a few more cur curbs. I don't know what you call them. Have been put in. Um, parking stalls, I know, is another thing that's been looked at, and um, uh, I think in the last year or so, there was one put in at the theater, but um, we're on a learning curve, and maybe we need to um, expand the width of some of the stalls just to really make them uh, usable in terms of accessible parts of things as well. Um, Council, do you have questions? Uh, uh, I don't know how I get used to this here. Um, I know, uh, Mr. McQuaig, that the town has applied for one of the uh, grants for some accessibility things in the future. When might we know about that grant? Um, and what was it for, for sure? So the, the grant uh, that we- You're very fake. The grant that we've currently applied for is uh, to uh, address the accessibility up into the second floor. So that is uh, going to consist of a number of things. One is addressing the ramp on the south side of the building and uh, removing the existing ramp there and relocating the ramp to the other door, which will have a, a less steep incline into there and will also kind of tie into uh, a stair lift system that we're looking at would convey uh, disabled access up into the, the second floor. Uh, so as for time frame, uh, Ms. McQuag might be able to uh, share a little more information on that one. Thank you. Uh, Alicia, do you want to take this? You were <coughs> this question. Sure. Um, so the grant, we expect uh, results from the grant to come out anywhere between September and December of this year. And I just also want to highlight for Council, so Sam's presentation is kind of a, a first toe into the accessibility conversation and is our intention to bring forward a request for direction to Council in the near future that kind of lays out um, some of the successes that we've had in the past in the more recent past and then also some potential next steps that we can start working towards and we just kind of want to get Council's feedback. So I anticipate that coming forward in the within the next couple of Council meetings for Council to provide some more concrete direction about what our next steps would look like. But in the meantime, staff has also been looking at some of the proactive steps that we can just start taking uh, right away. And one of them was to uh, apply for that grant, which would provide us a good amount of funding to make some changes to our building to provide improved access to the town office, uh, which is definitely, uh, it's, a, it's a big project. We would definitely significantly improve the access if we were to get this grant uh, this year, but there would still be some additional work that would need to happen before it was a truly 
comfortable place um, and, and comfortable access to council. Um, so we'll have further work to do, but this will be a big step forward if we can get that grant. Well, okay. we, do, we do have an, a, a unique building for sure. <laughs> Okay. One thing I can mention with the um, accessibility fund is there's also a youth component, which is typically quite, um, it's much smaller in funds, but if you can find a champion, and youth is under 30, I believe, um, in that definition. So if you could find a young champion who could become one of those um, youth innovators, I think they call them, that would be, mm -hmm. that's another access to some kind of funds that way. Um, I was one for a couple of years and unfortunately couldn't find anyone who wanted to use it, but uh, yeah, I think that's another great way. I can also send for parking stalls. Um, width is important for sure, but there is definitely um, the access of like the way that space is used, like access aisles and where the curb cut is and like where the lines are painted. So I can definitely kind of send some of that forward. I've been noticing we struggle. There's no decent parking spots even in Edmonton. So mm -hmm. um, I find that uh, I can I can forward over like the ideal kind of okay. spot, and then maybe you can just do painting kind of to yeah. that standard. Well, about the only new building the the municipality has done or been able to be part of in the last few years, I guess, is our new Baytex Rec Center. So um, hopefully we've managed there. I know in the pool we've uh, uh, over the last. Well, within the last five years, for sure, we have um, uh, bought a, um, a lift to help someone who uh, just can't manage um, to get themselves into the water and that sort of thing. So we're on, we're on basic steps, I think. And it's uh, good to some, sometimes get ideas. And Alicia and her department, I know, are, are well aware of... Um, inputs that need to go into uh, planning in that aspect. So yes. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? Ms. Downing? No? Well, Deputy Mayor, um, I do appreciate that last statement you made regarding Alicia and her team. Um, as was in the presentation, the old infrastructure is not always the best infrastructure to make changes because even when we make those changes just because the elevator is there it doesn't necessarily mean that its accessibility has been improved so uh, because they're small hallways and hard to turn in and it's it's a significant issue when you're pushing someone in a wheelchair for sure or mm -hmm. someone you know uh, sort of uh, the, getting themselves around so uh, I would say that old infrastructure structure and funding is definitely our biggest barriers in certainly in our rural community. I, I do agree that we've got the optics on it and I appreciate the presentation. Mr. Good. I, I was just going to say that the, you know, the, this third, I think it's the third slide, the what is accessibility um, was, was interesting because it, you know, as, as everybody knows, I had a hard time going upstairs until recently, but it was for the last number of years, but getting beyond that, they're, they, when you talk about a physical, mental, intellectual or learning component, you're really looking at a, at a kind of a tip of the iceberg um, in that, it, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty daunting task and a worthy one because if you take a look at any individual who comes through the door, let's assume for a moment 
the person is is deaf how do they how do they communicate with people in the building if you have a person comes in who is blind for example how does that person once they open the door know where they are if they're on a street how do they recognize their environment how does a person who has a cognitive disability um you could have people with, and I'm being very serious when I say this, you could have people with varying degrees of um, either, uh, I'm going back in my own past of a time where I had a problem with perception, um, understanding even what was, what was, let alone if it was, and it, that sounds pretty strange, but I know what I'm talking about on that one. And, you may not be able to be aware of your surroundings to that level. I mean, this is a real, it changes your consciousness when you start looking at it instead of from the building's point of view, look at it from the individual's point of view and say, that individual who has value, has worth, who has something, how can they contribute and are they able to contribute and are they able to to participate in the society. If you, if you talk about that, that's, that's a whole change in how you address, um, I don't like to use the word everything in all cases, but so many different aspects. It, it's really a change in consciousness that comes around. I mean, I, most people, I include myself, think of disability, oh, he can't walk, or he can't run, or he can't, he has no hands, he can't pick up a baseball or whatever. But if you're thinking in terms of the other disabilities, the cognitive ones, the, you know, those even intellectual disabilities or emotional or mental disabilities, it's a, it's a real change in your perception that you have to take care of. I'm not trying to ramble here, but I think this really, that one slide really opened up, uh, it was like a doorway opening up and saying, what do you, what do you consider accessibility and are you considering it in a way that's real? So I'll leave it at that. It's, thank you. Thank you for those comments. Yeah, it's um, it's a huge scope. Um, I think that our numbers are honestly quite um, reduced in the people who choose to identify because I think a lot of people don't. I do think a lot of seniors, for example, wouldn't necessarily identify as having disability even though they use a walker or use hearing aids, even though by this definition, it is technically, I and mean, everyone can identify as they want, but if you can create a world that is accessible to everyone, even if they identify or don't identify, then you, it, we, it, we should be able to get to a place hopefully sometime where no one would have to disclose even if they have a disability because they can just access everything equally. Yeah. Thank you. Um, can't see everybody right now, so. Right. Anyone else uh, with comments? <laughs> well, thank you very much, Sam. It's a, a good move along in our education in terms of uh, uh, the whole topic. And uh, we hope if you come back in a few years, we'd be a little different again. I'm hoping this is a partnership. And I've told Alicia and um, Ruth, sorry, I think I'm blanking. Um, that I'm always open for questions. Anytime you're doing something new, feel free to send me an email. I'm here. This is a partnership. I would love to do anything. If you have any questions, my information's on the website. And thank you for having me.
Sorry, I wasn't talking there. Thanks, uh, Sam. <laughs> might just Hopefully it's pause. not raining there. Pardon? Uh, before Sam ducks out, Director Bell was just connecting to audio and I just wanted to check to see if she had any comments because she was also part of this larger discussion. No? Director Bell? Oh. Sorry, I'm in a vehicle in a rainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> Losing internet on and off. Um, I didn't hear what you were asking. Uh, did you have anything for Sam before she went? You kind of connected to audio at an opportune time, so. Yeah, I was on it. I saw the majority of it and just uh, uh, lost the last few minutes. Um, I know I don't have any comments. I think uh, the information she's provided is an excellent uh, assistance for us to continue on our path of learning and planning and moving forward. Oh. Okay, thank you. And uh, thank you, Sam. And have a good evening. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thank you, you too. Bye. Okay, so our next item on the agenda, we have bylaws and a request for a decision with respect to um, 2075 Assessment Review Board Bylaw. Mr. Town, you're, you're on. Okay, thank you and good evening council. Um, before you is a, a bylaw, which is an update from our existing Assessment Review Board Bylaw, um, which was approved, I believe back in 2010. So it was due for a review, which is something that Northern Sunrise County had actually initiated. So they've done the bulk of the work on, on this bylaw. And since we're part of a regional assessment review board, um, there's five partners total, ourselves, Northern Sunrise County, Clear Hills County, Village of Hines Creek and Village of Nampa. Um, we are um, hopefully going to have um, or pass similar type bylaws to be able to, to coexist as a group. So before you use this bylaw, um, we're hoping that council might consider approving it tonight, but understanding that this is the first time you've seen it. If you want to wait a couple of weeks or be able to um, ask questions or if we can't answer anything, um, it, is, it is timely to get done this fall as there will be a hearing this fall, um, but it's not imperative it happens tonight, but if council's comfortable with it, they could approve it also. Um, the list of changes are shown on the first page of the report. Um, and they're generally quite minor. Um, the MGA changes are requiring the bulk or the majority of the changes here. Um, there's some definitions, uh, definition changes, um, adding some new, some new uh, items here. Um, and I'm just sort of going down the list here and picking out the, the major ones. Um, section 3.5 from the old bylaw has been removed and that references council chambers may be appointed to sit on the board. Um, that's actually been removed, but um, there's no wording in there that says council can't have a member sit or be appointed to the board. So um, it just wasn't needed. So it's been removed. Uh, some wording changes all over the place, wording changes on composition. There's some, a new section on required training and we'll kind of talk about that in a a report that comes later because the training requirements for the 
the ARB, whether it's regional combined or other, are um, they're now provincially mandated. Um, there's some powers that the chair is now taking instead of the designated officer. Um, and then again, talks about changes of the role of the chairperson um, is now changed to presiding officer and then wording in the schedules for, for some financial changes. Um, this aligns to the agreement that council approved um, a meeting or two back. So it supports, again, our regional effort to, to be part of a, a combined um, regional assessment board. Um, and if there's any changes, staff will be able to answer them if we're able. Um, thank you. Does council have any questions of Mr. Tell? Which means it was excellently written out and- Apparently Mr. Yeah. Good has a question though. <laughs> Not a question, but I'd be prepared to move first reading if we have got to go through all of them tonight and I have no problem with that. So I'll move first reading. Okay, thank you. Of option, um, of, of the bond and option one. Okay. Um, any uh, discussion on that? All those in favor of uh, first reading of uh, the Regional Assessment Review Board bylaw number 2075. I think everybody voted. It was carried. Somebody care for second reading? Uh, Mr. Needham. Mr. Needham moves second reading of the bylaw. All, any discussion? All those in favor? Thank you. Motion to go to third reading. Now that was Mr. Ford? Yes. Okay. Um, all those in favor of going to third reading? It's carried unanimously. Anybody care to move third reading? Um, Ms. Downing moves third reading. All those in favor? Great. Also carried unanimously. Thank you. Great, thank you. Okay, next uh, item on our agenda is unfinished business request for decision on the 2074 debenture bylaw for Shaftesbury Sewer Main uh, Part One. And that is Mr. Schramm by chance? Uh, it does by chance this time. Oh. Good, e good evening, Council. Um, uh, before you is a uh, request for decision regarding giving second and third reading to Venture Bylaw 2074. If you remember, this bylaw was presented back on May 25th, uh, 2020 at a regular council meeting, and it was given first reading and uh, any questions and concerns at that time uh, were addressed. Uh, now, uh, administration brings it back for a second and third reading. Um, to summarize, the it is a debenture for $630,000 over a 10-year term with estimated annual payments of around $68,000. Uh, administration is giving two options to council. One is that council gives second and third reading to the bylaw uh, 2074, which is the bylaw for 
incurring indebtedness. Uh, the second option is council may wish to vary the existing capital budget and direct changes be made to the project the bylaw. Uh, recommendation coming from administration is that council give second and third reading to bylaw 2074, a bylaw authorizing the council of the municipality to incur indebtedness by the issuance of a debenture in the amount of $630,000 for Shaftesbury sewer main part one. Thank you. Um, the debenture, is it for 10 years or some, some other term? Uh, it's for 10 years. Okay. Uh, does council have any further questions of Mr. Schramm? Would someone like to move to second reading? Mr. Good, move second reading of uh, debenture bylaw 2074. All those in favor? It's carried. Would someone care to move third reading? Mr. Scammerhorn, or no, Mr. Scammerhorn. All those in favor of third reading? Okay, it passes third reading. Thank you, Mr. Schramm. You're welcome. Okay, and the next item, we are in new business. Uh, briefing note with respect to the operating variance report. And Mr. Schramm, I guess you get to carry on. I guess I do. Uh, tonight we're presenting a, a, a briefing note on uh, variances up to June 30th, not June 31st, as I put in there. I've added an extra leap in the leap year. Um, this briefing note is, is fairly detailed in what uh, administration sees as um, favorable and unfavorable favorable variances in different uh, aspects of the budget to actual. Um, I think it, instead of reading through the uh, report, uh, I'd like just to open it up to questions from council on any of the items identified or Mr. Town may wish to uh, step in also. Um, I think I'll just say Am I on mute? No, I'm not on mute. I think I'll just say, Council, if you're looking at the report or if you're looking at it online um, as part of our agenda package, um, what we tried to do this year, since it was a little different, um, and Council provided direction back in April on savings related to COVID-19 um, that were passed along to the community. So at the time, staff identified savings of $456,200, some of which um, were occurring naturally due to the pandemic, due to um, um, slowdown of services and the provision of those services, whether they're at the pool, arena, or, or other um, places, or identified reductions in services or um, items um, where savings were, were identified. Um, of that, Council again applied $340,000 um, to reduce our required tax revenues for the upcoming year, which effectively um, kept tax bills flat compared to, to the previous year. Um, so we have built that in, and the annual budget amount within the report is the approved budget, but the line beside it, which is an amended budget, did build in that $456,200 in, in savings and 
the 340,000 that were used to to offset those savings to provide um, tax bill reductions to ratepayers. Um, so when we look at variances, we're looking at off the amended budget amount, which is a little tricky to do um, because it, we didn't change the year-to-date budget amounts. Those were built into our, our software. We weren't able to change that. Um, so um, there, there might be some odd looking numbers in there, but when staff looked at them and and um, made any adjustments, they were off the amended budget amount. The, the other thing I'll identify at this time, and we do talk about it on page two of the report, is there's two items that have affected the town um, and will affect our year in position. The first one are operating costs related to the Pats Creek flood, and these are operating costs for the town. Um, the the um, damages that we incurred, um, we are not going to run through our insurance. Our deductible is $500,000 and costs generally aren't at that level in terms of um, a full rehab. Um, so because of that, we're going to incur and undertake these costs, but we are hoping to get money back through the disaster recovery program through AEMA. Um, so since we know what the costs, the operating costs are, and there's, I'll split these up because there's operating costs and then there will be some potential capital costs, which we'll either have to incur this year or next to do all the, the fixes. Um, but the operating costs are in the $176,000 range. Um, if we get money from the province to do that, then there won't be any impact to our our bottom line or our year in position. Um, but we have shown the expense, but not the revenue at this point because those amounts are uncertain, uh, not guaranteed. The other item that we are showing are insurance proceeds that we received in 2020. And these relate to the, the pumps at the ski hill and the damage to the pumps and within that building. Um, staff will have a recommendation coming to a future council meeting that discusses how to deal with this. Um, from an accounting perspective, we do run them through our operating um, accounts or operating budget, um, but staff will recommend that they be transferred to our capital reserve to be used for capital purposes vis-a-vis um, -vis the replacement of those pumps. Um, so when you factor in those two items, which is kind of backing out the, or adding revenues from under the disaster recovery program and then transferring the money to the reserves, um, that takes our current projected here in position from 158,300 down to 129,300, which is pretty well in line um, with our COVID savings um, as we had identified 456 in savings and we used 340. Um, so any additional changes since that point, um, there's a whole bunch that have gone up and down. Um, are kind of flat in terms of impacts to our year in position. Uh, the final thing that I'll say is, as staff did this, um, we're identifying some areas where we are fairly significantly underspent. Um, we're gonna try to spend as reasonably and smartly as possible. Again, um, you know, we were hoping to finish a whole bunch of operational or replacements on the operating budget. Um, 
this year. Um, obviously the pandemic has impacted that. A little tougher to do some stuff. And as items are not able to be complete, they will be identified on future uh, variance reports. And as Mr. Schramm said, we'll be able to take any questions at this point. Um, a couple of questions. Um, first of all, on SCSS, it was uh, there's some unspent monies due to not hiring a staff during COVID, etc. Does the province typically um, claw back money from SCSS if they don't spend it all? I can take that question, Director Town. Oh yeah, I was waiting for you. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Um, um, in we uh, budget above and beyond the contribution required as per the FCSS grant agreement. Um, so no, they won't cut back if it's our funds that we've added to the budget. They will claw it back if it is a part of their 80% funding contribution, but will be below that. So we don't anticipate that being an issue. It's actually um, one of our staff is on maternity, maternity leave and we were planning to refill her position. We had refilled it once um, and lost the individual to another, another position. And we're planning to refill for a temporary in the spring, but with COVID hitting, it just didn't uh, didn't make any sense at the time. So she is coming back and that position will be refilled at that time. Thank you. Uh, Councillors, questions? Uh, okay, then I've got a, another one. Um, with respect to the uh, property tax deferrals and the utility rate, deferral, uh, was there much uptake in those? Um, I've actually been meaning to look at uh, receivables um, this year compared to last year, and that's that'll be our telling. Um, Mr. Sham, do you have that um, receivable balance comparison? We could, um, if we don't, we could all pass that along to council tomorrow. Um, sure, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I will say looking at the water ones, there was about a Looked like about a 10 or 15 percent um, uptake in terms of total dollars. So, you know, some people were taking advantage, but looks like it wasn't being abused. And I don't want to use that word lightly, but um, it looks like there wasn't a huge need for the community to to consider that. But of course, those are smaller amounts. So, we'll look at the property tax and our receivable balances and compare against last year. Okay, thank you. I don't have our. I don't have a question, Deputy Mayor, but just an observation. Uh, it's quite a savings on that RCMP contract. I can only speculate that uh, the reason we have that is because, uh, well, the, the rural municipalities are now contributing. So the province has another revenue stream. So any forecasted increase would would be covered from their new revenue stream out of the rural side. But that's a big number. That, uh, that That's good to see. Yeah, I don't know if it relates to that. It's it's just the way that buildings are done. Um, and that's based on staffing on hand and, and allocations between what's charged to the town and the province. So um, so you can't attribute it to uh, uh, to what I've suggested then. You're just saying it's more in the in the in the billing cycle. That that's kind of what what I would suspect. Okay. Yeah. Have we paid off the communications 
um, program or equipment for the RCMP. That was one of the big ones the last few years, wasn't it? The AFRAX costs, um, they, they were never going to fully go away because after the, the purchase, there's the upkeep and whatnot. So I know when it came on, it was a $30,000 hit. I don't know what the number is now, but there are still some monies in there for the um, ongoing implementation and servicing of that program. Was that for the AFRAX, uh, wasn't that supposed to be based over three or four years? Did uh, the, the initial information we'd received, yes. Um, and I remember seeing the schedule for that, but um, we, we need to investigate that, but I don't think it's completely dropped off at this point. Okay, thank you. Um, would someone uh, like to move the acceptance of the variance report? Uh, Mr. Good, all those in favor? Thank you, it's carried. Uh, next, we have um, a direction, request for direction re-proclamation um, policy and Ms. Hume. Yes, good evening. Um, so tonight I'm bringing a draft, a draft update to our proclamation policy, seeking some discussion, direction and input if possible. Um, this is coming to you because from time to time we receive inquiries about recognition for individuals within the community or for correspondence from either the town or council. The inquiries are sparked by a wide range of things from requests for letters to celebrate milestones, either personally or for an organization. Uh, to request to recognize long-term citizens or those that have helped in some way. These are usually handled ad hoc on a one-off basis. Currently, we have uh, two programs that sort of address aspects of this. That includes the Volunteer Awards Program and our Proclamation Policy. So the Volunteer Awards is an annual event. Community members are recognized in three award categories for their contributions, as are all the people that are nominated. Um, by now, you guys have probably been to at least one or two um, of those events. We also have our proclamation policy as it currently stands, um, which allows an opportunity for groups to seek formal recognition for themselves or an event through that program. Outside of those two options, though, we have a small gap, and this is where we're getting the requests. So administration reviewed some similar policies from other communities and are bringing this forward for some discussion. Um, before you is a possible amendment to the policy that would open the door for alternate forms of recognition for community members. However, how this would look depends on what council is interested in and what you guys envision. So to guide the start of the discussion or to kind of get the gears going a little bit, I've got three options and two possible conditions for those options to consider. So option one is we leave the proclamation policy as is, we do nothing when we continue as we've been on a case by case basis. Option two is to amend the proclamation policy per council's wishes. Um, obviously we would need to figure out what those wishes are. And option three is to discuss possible options um, for a council recognition program, either done as a annual event or as an ongoing option throughout the year where councillors could bring forward um, requests for recognition. The two conditions I talked about are um, essentially two categories. So do we want to look at a more open-ended policy or a more prescriptive policy? So the draft I've brought forward is extremely open-ended because I wasn't sure what direction, if any, people wanted to take this in. 
So what it does is it outlines the broad categories of things we would not recognize, which is consistent with our proclamation policy, while keeping the application pretty application process fairly simple. Right now, it just suggests a formal letter requesting recognition be sent to a counselor or the town. The other condition would be more prescriptive options where we outline exactly what types of circumstances we would issue recognition. This can come in the form of a list of preconditions or uh, circumstances. Um, and in that case, the application process may become more rigid. In the sample I sent you guys, um, or that's attached to this agenda, you'll see a section where it talks about um, areas where people would automatically be given a certificate of recognition, for example, an outgoing council board or committee member. That would be an example of a more prescriptive policy option in this case, where we're actually identifying exact circumstances. Um, so yeah, I, these are sort of the things I'm bringing forward. We don't need to hash out everything now. This can just be the start of a discussion on this, um, but I'm curious to see if anybody has any first thoughts or opinions. Ms. Downing? Thank you, Deputy Mayor Manzer. Uh, so, Ms. Hume, I, I'm looking at this and it looks, like you said, it's got a lot of wiggle room for council and administration to operate in. Um, I mean, the first question I thought was, well, are we getting so many that we feel we need to tighten up our, um, our bylaw on that? Or our policy, pardon me, on that? Is, are we being inundated with requests that seem inappropriate, I guess, is the word? Inundated is not the word I would use. Um, a light trickle, more than anything, really. Uh, the requests haven't really upticked. It's more of a lack of clear guidance and rules in some of these. So our current practice is if it falls outside of one of our clear documents, we usually take it to the mayor and see what he would want to do on that topic. Right. You know what, I, I guess in my, my first reaction was, if somebody's taken the time to request something of us, mostly, uh, I mean, obviously, we would likely suggest even if they called us on it, that they send us something in writing, that they have, there's some value to them that the councillor or the town of Peace River recognize some significant milestone i'll use that word or recognition in their lives and i think why would we put barriers up to that that's my that's my initial feeling and so i thought where we're going right now um is appropriate it's allows for some wiggle room it allows for administration to make some decisions and i thought it allowed for the mayor to still make some decisions didn't it I forget where I saw that. Oh no, just requests, pardon me. So that's my opinion, Deputy Mayor. I see in, in some places the CAO uh, 2.7. The CAO may in consultation with the mayor direct a proclamation to be brought for council for information. And then 2.8 though, um, the proclamation doesn't require a resolution of council, but council may by vote pass the resolution in support. Those two seem to be, I don't know, bring it, uh, don't bring it and proclaim it a little bit. 
there. That's from, so that's um, currently in the policy. That's, mm -hmm. um, yes. And the idea at the time was that the mayor could approve proclamations to streamline the process a little bit further. And if the issue was significant and council wanted to have a collective voice on it, there's still the option to have a formal vote and a formal motion either in support or otherwise. I guess my other question on the original, I think it's the original one, um, it re says recognition for national or international distinction, but it doesn't do provincial. I kind of think provincial is kind of important too. <laughs> For somebody from Peace River, yes. Well, I don't know. Other counselors, any? I don't. Thoughts? I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, you know, is is it important to recognize people? I, I, I think we do to a large degree already. Uh, you know, if, if the option, I guess, to do something is something more is is okay. I guess my question would be so. Who in administration is going to do this work? I mean, we're going to we're going to get a budget request for another FTE to do this work, or whose desk is it going to end up on? In terms of the production of an actual certificate, so the way I have the policy written right now, we're talking about a certificate of recognition, nothing huge. It would be done on a, a standardized type form, and it would be me that would be doing it. So Director Bell won't slip in another FTE when we're not looking. I can't say one way or another. And and the, the intent is no, not that administration will go out and search for things to proclaim. No. It comes to counselor. Yeah. yeah. And so the application process right now involves either a, a formal letter written to the town or a letter written to one of the counselors. The idea is that this is more of a council initiated, council driven program. Um, that offers some kind of guidance to administration on how to administer it. So when we do get a request, say, for a long time citizen, somebody emails in and says, we have this wonderful individual who's gonna be leaving the town. They've lived here for X number of decades. Does the town have a program in place to issue a recognition certificate or for council to issue a certificate saying congratulations? Right now we have no formal structure whatsoever. I, again, I no strong feelings. Uh, you know, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is maybe run this by the Community Services Board. I, I, I guess if people think there's an appetite for this, let's, let's do it. But I, you know, I, I, I don't see, a, we, we've got lots on our plate. Uh, if, if this is, if, if, if this is a, a low effort to do something that, uh, you know, puts us in the good graces of our residents uh, because it's a feel good kind of a thing and it's meaningful, well, then it, let's do it. But I, I don't see putting a lot of effort into this, but uh, again, uh, run it by community services or other members of council, I guess. Okay, Mr. Ford. Yeah, I'd like just, I, I'm the same as uh, with Mr. Needham, but uh, a couple of things that we did in the past, and I'll just ask Ms. Hume this question, is if a request comes forward, does it, does it have to be in writing? Uh, I look at the example of a, 
a young fella that uh, Tom recognized as far as the environmental aspect goes this year. And then we did the same thing not that long ago um, with Mrs. M with Miss Monroe when uh, she was a long outstanding citizen of Peace River and she moved to Edmonton and, uh, and we did a recognition for her, but it, it wasn't, wasn't in writing. It was just a, a verbal communication between one counselor and, and the mayor or other council. So does it have to be in writing? It does not. Um, the intent of this was sort of to formalize a process that we've had in place in an ad hoc manner for several years now. So we have done um, recognitions for certain individuals, but it has usually been um, a member of council or somebody bringing that forward and saying, hey, we should recognize this. Uh, people notice and they sometimes see that we've done this kind of recognition. And so they wonder then, well, how can I get this other deserving individual? How can I get them a certificate or can, can I get them a recognition? So the idea would be to offer a formal process that's fair and accessible to everybody to at least apply and then to figure out what structure, if any, would be in place to make a selection. So no, it doesn't need to be in writing, but it seems like a simple way to ensure that we at least have a trail outlining what the application was for, that kind of thing. And it actually probably saves some admin time in terms of uh, searching for details, shall we say. A little bit, yes, because in the application process, you can say we need the following criteria in the letter. If it's not there, we can't consider it. Okay, so um, Ms. Hume had kind of three options, she thought. Um, leave the policy alone, amend it, or send it for future discussion back to council or through admin again. So, sense, yes, the third one was about a, a recognition program separate from this doing sort of a separate thing. So I'm not sensing any interest in option three whatsoever. Um, sensing more interest in option one or two. So uh, Deputy Mayor, uh, Ms. Hume, I actually really like uh, Mr. Needham's suggestion of let's run it by FCSS and see whether they have some input um, regarding recognition or some of the other aspects that we're asking in this in this policy to see you know where where their uh, you know interest lies. So sure. community services or FCSS? Oh, I'm sorry, community, community services. services. Thank you. Thank you. Thinking the community services board. So is, that, is that what you suggested, Colin? Yes, it was, I believe. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so would you put it forth a motion suggesting that perhaps then? Direct administration to uh, present uh, possibilities on this to community services and ask for their input? I would be willing to do that. Uh, I'm, I just think it's a good place for us to maybe, you know, get some more feedback on it for sure. So I would be willing to do that. Okay. Um, are we clear enough on the motion? I have uh, moved that administration present the proposed policy to the Community Services Board for input. Okay. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Thank you, it's carried. Thank you.
Thanks very much, everybody. Thank you, Ms. Hume. Okay, the number three under new business is um, Mr. Town Citizen Appointment Remove. I can't say that for agencies, boards, <laughs> and commissions. Paying uh, remuneration. Citizens. There we go. I want to say remuneration, but it's not. You know, it took me about the first, you know, 35, maybe 40 years of my life to change from remuneration to remuneration. So um, I get it. Um, so before council is a, um, it's a new policy that staff is looking to, to address. And again, since we don't have GMP meetings during the summer, um, if council wants to take this time to provide direction, we also understand that too, but it is a policy providing compensation for citizen appointee time when attended, when attending legislated provincial training. Um, so What's happened in the last few years, the province has introduced um, a bevy of required legislative training for a couple of our boards, the SDAB being one and the ARB, the Assessment Review Board being the other. Um, so we're looking from a retention um, and attraction perspective um, to consider compensating individuals for their time to attend this training. Um, as it tends to be outside of the region. Um, generally, they're offered by municipal affairs or municipal affairs hires um, some type of firm to, to do on their behalf. And they're generally in Calgary and or Edmonton. Um, and then they may have some satellite locations, occasionally Grand Prairie, Red Deer, um, et cetera. Um, the training for some of these is actually fairly comprehensive and um, takes quite a while. So for example, the new re new member course for the ARB is three days in length and there's a, a written test that has to occur within seven days. Um, whereas the refresher course comes in at a modest two days. Um, and that has to, um, they're valid for three years. The SDB training is not quite as onerous. Um, it normally can be done within a day. Um, and MMSA is tr trying to work to coordinate that and bring people up to do it so we don't have to send um, individuals afield to be able to do that. Um, I also suspect that as we go along, the province will be looking at online options. Um, I know when I did my STB training, may have been able to do it at a distance. Um, so I suspect that that'll become more, more common as we go forward. Um, but currently we compensate our our, our board members, um, and we do pay them for their out-of-pocket expenses. So mileage, meals, accommodation as needed, but we don't compensate them for their time. Um, and since this is training that they're doing to sit on a, a required board um, that we are members of, it does seem fair to compensate them for their time to attend training on our behalf. Um, it will also help with the attraction and retention of these boards, as I mentioned before. Our assessment review board um, are only members actually leaving town next year, so we need to find two members for that, and we're going to start promoting this in earnest. Um, before we do that, I was I'm just hoping to get this policy through if council does approve, um, just so we're able to communicate that training will be compensated or 
um, if not, if council doesn't doesn't approve. Um, so we could take any questions. There are a couple options here. Um, but however, staff do feel that it's it's uh, pretty reasonable to compensate citizen members for the time uh, that they do this. I will again reiterate, it's just for provincially um, required or legislated training. Um, as far as I know, it's only the two boards, the SDAB and the ARB um, for the training um, that they'd be required to do on our behalf. Um, so Mr. Town, I just had a question on the title because when I first read this, I thought it was applying to all committees and it was only in the notes that I figured out, well, it's uh, two committees at this point in time or two boards. So can you change the title a little bit? Uh, yes, mm -hmm. yes, we can. Okay. Citizen appointment remuneration for required provincial training on agency boards and committee policy. That would suit me, but. <laughs> I, I understand it's, there's a little tricky. We do wanna make it clear who it applies mm -hmm. to, um, you know, unless council wanted to take that extra step and make it available for um, all boards and committees, but we'd have to do you know, a review of that and, and see what the real impacts are. Yeah, it's my understanding some municipalities do that, um, but perhaps uh, different categories of municipalities, I'm not sure. Uh, councillors, do you have any uh, uh, comments, questions on what Mr. Town has presented here? If someone would like to make a motion. Um, that, uh, sorry, Greg, that, oh, that sorry. budget. That budget you have there for 500 potentially that uh that would be like one one session for one person kind of thing right that's correct so um on these two boards we have three or four members and let's see they have to get them um, training every three years so you know hopefully if it rolls and you you line it up right then you send one person away a year, and maybe every third year you send away two. So, you know, it, it's unlikely all four would need training the same year. Um, so from a budget perspective, we'd split the difference, budget three, maybe, or not three, five, maybe $600 a year um, and try to capture it that way. So um, financially, it's a fairly minor impact. It's just something we'd have to build into the budget. Okay, uh, would someone care to, or more questions or to make a motion? Mr. Scamahorn, um, he picks option one. You're on uh, mute. mute right now. Sorry, yeah, yeah, the recommended option. Okay, so with a change in title, but option one. All those in favor? Thank you, it's carried. Thank you. So moving along, Mr. Town, now you're at approval of Peace Regional uh, Subdivision and Development Appeal Board appointments. Yep, I'm not gonna spend a bunch of time talking about this. This is a requirement of the agreement that we're part of where the town has to um, formally approve the um, all the members, or these are the incoming members um, for the upcoming term. 
So I don't know if you remember, but we had to have council approve. Councilor Ford is our member for the upcoming uh, three-year cycle. Um, these are the balance of the other members. So staff's just looking for a motion that mirrors what is shown on option one. Um, if you don't agree and you don't want to participate in the board, um, option two is an option for you not to approve, but that is not the recommendation that we're putting forward. I heard, uh, I heard you say, uh, Director Town, you don't want to spend a lot of time on it. And uh, I, I did hear that, but I must ask a question. So can, I'm reading the motion. Can we actually appoint Karina Williams to a regional board? And, and I'm not going to get hung up on it, but I was <laughs> going to suggest some alternate language. Uh, would you, would the deputy mayor like to hear my alternate language or is this an issue with us appointing Karina Williams to a regional board? Or am I making am I making a mountain out of a molehill? This was the suggested wording that came from MMSA to okay. move this through. So I don't think there's any necessary harm in, in doing it this way. Okay, Mr. Needham. Yeah, I that, that, as long as municipal affairs doesn't come back to us or somebody else, I I have some alternate language, but uh, if that's the uh, recommendation from administration. I would, uh, I would suggest we go with the current language, and uh, and uh, I would put a motion on the floor that we accept uh, what's written. Okay, so Mr. Needham has a motion. Councillor Ford, you have a comment question. I'm just there again um, under under the report where it says issue. It says below is the updated list of appoint appointments to be made. Are we not? Uh, and correct me if I'm not correct here mr town but are we not just ratifying the appointments already made from the other municipalities i think each municipality has to individually um uh, make a resolution doing the appointments mr town yeah, i was i was appointed by this council mm -hmm. and and just to comment on uh on councillor needham's comment we're not actually appointing um the met or the council member from Northern Sunrise County, we're ratifying her appointment because she's mm -hmm. been appointed by her municipality. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I guess uh, it, uh, let me circle the wagon back again, uh, Deputy Mayor. So I, I was gonna suggest that council uh, appoint Orrin Ford as a member of the Peace Regional Subdivision Development Appeal Board. Further council would welcome Dave Van Tamlin, Karina Williams, et cetera, as members of the board. So it's to Mr. Ford's point, we're going to appoint him and we would welcome the other members on the board because I'm, I'm not convinced we can actually do that, but uh, th that's kind of where I was going. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. McQuaid? Um, I apologize if I'm stepping on Director Towns' uh, toes here. Uh, this is what they had requested in the past that pre that the individual municipalities appoint their members and submit them. And then we in turn as a regional partner have to uh, approve the appointments in this way. It's I gather part of the agreement, Director Town. That's that's my understanding where, but I also see where Councillor Needham's coming from in terms of we don't appoint, appoint. So, you know, we are, I guess, jointly as a member approving the appointments to to the board, so. Um. I, 
you know, I, I guess just from a technicality point of view, I, if the direction is that that language is acceptable, then I, uh, I guess I will accept that. But I, I really wondered about, uh, you know, I don't think it's an issue here, but what if there's somebody on that list we don't approve of? <laughs> um, okay, so. <laughs> Um, I, I, I guess in it just I, I think this is an administration thing. I, I get the sense, Deputy Mayor, that uh, I'll let my motion stand. Uh, we'll just uh, accept the motion as written and we'll see where the vote goes. Okay, so Mr. Um, Needham um, approves uh, the, the or recommends the appointment as in option one, including Fiona Ness's appointment. Um, so all those in favor? It's carried. Thank you. And now we're on to um, reports, community services monthly report. Um, Ms. Bell, uh, would you care to highlight anything? At the same time, counselors, any questions? Yeah, I don't have anything specific to highlight at this point. Um, I think more just the fact that we're happily reopening facilities slowly but surely. If anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to answer. Tanya, just a quick one under your other project category. Uh, there's a sentence in there uh, talking about the, the, the banners on Main Street on Gratz. The sentence reads new banners uh, to be installed the end of August. So the way I read that was not new grad banners at the end of August, just a new set of banners. Is that correct? That's, and it, and that's correct, yeah. And which, which banners are going up? Um, they're a part of this work that Alicia has been doing in regards to the artistry on some of the, um, uh, I'm at a loss for the word, um utility things the, the wraps the wraps that we, that were done on the utility boxes thank you right. yes just, so they're uh, a version of those yeah just the way the sentence read on it sounded as though that you were you're putting up the, the the grad banners till the end of august and then when the weather wore them out you're going to put up new ones again for the for the fall season yeah that, that was just no, my the 2021 uh, grads yeah well exactly <laughs> That's all. That's all I had. Thank you. Um, I noticed one thing under parks and playgrounds. It said the Riverview outdoor rink is scheduled for removal, and that June 29th was the deadline for replies. Did you yes. get replies? And was it advertised mm -hmm. like on the town's Facebook, or how was it made known? I guess. Well, how was it? Yeah. The, what we did is actually posted um, signage at the location because this is a neighborhood sort of um, survey or public feedback process we were looking for. And we actually haven't received any feedback whatsoever. So what um, our recreation facilities coordinator have and I have discussed is extending that for another two weeks. Um, and putting out more signage because it's possible with all this lovely weather that we've had um, that the community hasn't seen the signage and further solicit 
for a longer period of time. Not getting any feedback is as concerning as receiving a lot of feedback. So we're going to extend it to see if we do um, continue anything or receive any further information. Sounds like a good plan to me, but any other yeah. questions uh, on this report, councillors? Uh, Deputy Mayor, yes. uh, Tonya, I see that uh, the rec centre RFP has been extended. I must have missed that somewhere in our in our Facebook, but uh, is that good news for us? It's not bad news. Um, but again, we're not we're not really getting a lot of feedback. We've had a little bit. That doesn't mean there wasn't community groups out there looking for or preparing their proposal. Um, but we hadn't received a lot. So we thought we would extend it. There's no harm in extending it. If anything, it just gives our existing groups that might be looking at that facility and developing their proposals just more time to put into it. So we'll, we'll see, I guess, what we get. Okay, and the other thing is, is I did see you put in a little bit of uh, uh, counting for the cancellations at Athabasca Hall. Yeah. So yes. I'm just wondering, that was just as some FYI, are you saying, hey, be mm -hmm. aware, this is what's coming, what, what was yeah. the point of that? Well, it's uh, the staff are um, desperately trying to get you any statistics because there hasn't been anything. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately, this is one of the stats that they do have and they have been tracking cancellations and credits at all of our facilities. So um, Director Town didn't mention this in his variance reports, but even with our facilities reopening, we anticipate um, a drop in our revenues because there are credits that are sitting waiting until our facility open and then we'll start using up some of these credits for our user groups so um, our next conversation with council as a heads up may be oh the fact that we're hearing a lot of conversations with our user groups that are anticipating a significant drop in their revenues uh, sponsorships donations for their fall start we're having some very interesting conversations in the community of what um, what their seasons may look like in the future, and it's it's not rosy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, I, I look forward. To maybe we'll, I'll have a conversation with you on that. Uh, but congrats yeah. to your staff on that Canada Canada Day backyard bucket. Way to go on that. Yeah, that was really lots of fun and it was well received to the point that everyone thought that the entire town was supposed to get one. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they did well, worked out was, quite well. Well done. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And thank um, you. I'd like to say on, on the Canada Day one, uh, the rotary flags around the Riverfront Park look great. I realize it's not a town thing, but uh, thanks to the Rotary Club for doing that however it happened yeah okay anything else for miss bell right now great well thank you tanya um how about mr mcquig and how's engineering and infrastructure doing uh we are busy hmm. uh as always in our summer project season 
and we have a number of projects on the go. Uh, one of the things that we're extremely busy this week doing is uh, doing the commissioning for the new Reservoir 365 project. Mm. So we're hoping to have that up and running. Uh, is there a grand in, opening or anything happening? Yes, we'll Over probably be doing that in uh, September. And correct me if I'm wrong, Autumn, I think we set the 17th of September for the ribbon cutting on the new reservoir. I have the 11th. The 11th, thank you. Yep. Uh, so we'll be doing a ribbon cutting on the 11th of September. Uh, and uh, that will give us uh, some time as we still have to get the plant uh, up and running, which we'll have in about two weeks. Now we have to turn our attention to demolishing the existing reservoir and completing all the landscaping. So we're hoping to have that done by the end of August, and then we'll have some time uh, to make sure we're not uh, creating a big muddy mess and, and yeah. I bring see people in. In Miss Bell's report, that there she's looking at plans for the replacement uh, play space up there. Yes. Okay. So that wouldn't be at the same this year. No. That would no. That, I think we had projected uh, the budget for that being into next year's budget uh, for that piece. Great. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Uh, the other items that uh, we have ongoing right now, our neighborhood renewal program is uh, occurring in kind of 106178 uh, avenues uh, in the south end. Uh, so that is ongoing and progressing fairly well, despite uh, several rain delays over the last two weeks uh, that we've had to deal with, uh, but we're kind of working around that. Uh, water treatment plant upgrades, uh, we're working on replacing those skids, uh, the chemical skids in the building. So that is ongoing right now. And JC uh, uh, Erasmus is currently working with WSP on the pavement overlay project. Uh, so we're expecting to finish off the design getting out to tender in the next two weeks. So uh, we're looking forward to that. That will be uh, we're doing the design on uh, 72 and 75th avenues uh, this year, although we may only have the budget to do one of them this year, because uh, I think that was 75th, which uh, looks like uh, an extensive rebuild of that road structure that has to occur in there. Is that partly a cul-de-sac or is that? It's a cul-de-sac. Okay. So uh, Columbarian project, uh, we're just finalizing our quotes on the Columbarian this week. Uh, we've also started looking as to uh, siting of the Columbarian uh, within the cemetery and getting that finalized. And so we should be able to share a little more uh, with council next month on that one. Is there space on it for plaques? For uh, that pay for plaques? Uh, the plaques will be a separate empty apart from this, but we're, we're looking at something separate to install as part of that. And uh, the other one that we're busy trying to finalize the design for is the Shaftesbury uh, Waterline Project uh, or the Water and Sewer Trunk Main Projects, which you approved the debentures for uh, tonight. Uh, we're just uh, trying to wrap up uh, a lot of the final design elements around that. 
when when is the jail expected to uh, be connected to the co-op for Peace River's water system? I believe they're actually operating now. We've turned the meter over to them. So okay. I believe that they're actually operational on there right now. Okay. Uh, conjunction with that, we're gonna have to look at uh, replacement of a couple mud valves, but I think we've got the ones that we need to replace this year done but we'll probably be looking at a bit of a capital project created to replace the balance of the next year. Um, I, I think uh, congratulations or bouquets to your staff for this last uh, water event. Um, there seemed to be a, a lot of positive um, comments and also um, um, staff seemed to respond, be responding really quickly. It's nice to see those orange things out in front of a few of the buildings. So that was good. Always more work to do on that, but uh, yeah. thank you for the kudos. Yeah. Uh, a question about 98th Street uh, up by the RCMP in high school. Yeah. At one point, I think it was this week, it was supposed to be back to traffic. Um, do you uh, have an idea when that would happen? Uh, we did receive word from uh, Alberta Transportation on that. And I think it was a one week delay on that at, at this point in time. Uh, due to kind of rain delays and yeah. fin finishing up some items. Councillors, any other question, Mr. Needham? Just a couple of real quick ones, uh, Jim, uh, on the Columbarian project. Is the idea to uh, finish the project and then come back to council with a discussion on pricing? Uh, who's going to set the pricing for the various units? Is that a, is that a GMP discussion or are you going to do it or uh, how, how, how does that work? So that would probably be a joint discussion between myself, uh, Ms. Martineau and Director Town and uh, as to a cost recovery and what we want to see the cost recovery, like how many years do we want to look at the cost recovery for that? Okay, so it, it's not going to get covered off in a fees policy or schedule, it's going to be a, a, on a project level. Is well, it will probably uh, be rolled into the cemetery fees. Okay. So I, we will probably have to, when, once we have that established, we've got the, the final cost identified, we'll come up with a fee and just amend the cemetery uh, fee by law with that. Well, I, again, I, we, we, know, we, we all know how these things work. But, uh, I, I wouldn't mind uh, council having a look at what that proposed fee schedule sure. is, but that's uh, perhaps another uh, discussion for another time. Uh, and my other quick one is, uh, I think we had a list go into our provincial government over some of the uh, infrastructure stuff that was uh, shovel ready know, projects. Shovel ready after COVID. So, did is there a quick report on that topic, Jim? Yeah. So uh, there again, we're waiting for word. Uh, we've reached out through our provincial uh, contacts to see if there's a, any update. And Minister Medu has just basically said. Uh, Hang tight, it, it is coming, and that, that's what we've gotten to date. That's that's it for me, Thank you. Any other questions? Okay, thank you, Mr. McQuaid. Okay, um, Mr. Town, um, CAO and Corporate Services. Um, I'm just opening up. I don't know if there's anything else, again, needs to be highlighted. Um, just been busy with the reopening 
Now, as we brought staff back the, um, in corporate services, I won't speak a whole bunch about administration. Um, corporate services, the fire department and airport generally weren't impacted during the, the pandemic as they had to maintain operations, but in the town hall here, um, all staff are now back in and and uh, back to normal working conditions. Again, able to get tax bills out, able to put protective um, equipment in place to allow the uh, public to come into the building and uh, transact with the staff. So um, just kind of working within our new normal as we uh, continue to maintain operations. Okay, any questions, council or councilors? I have to say, I was curious about the picture of the airplane. Have we purchased one recently? <laughs> uh, no. we, we, tried, we tried to buy a fire truck, BD, but it wasn't available. So we bought, a, bought an airplane instead. <laughs> I, tr I, tried, I tried to slide that one in there. <laughs> we don't get too many sleek biz jets like this in. <laughs> and so when we do, we, we tend to take pictures of them and whatnot. We threw it in this time. It's a corporate service trick of throwing in pictures to uh, distract from the words. <laughs> okay, any further questions? Well, thank you, Mr. Town. And um, the fourth item in this section, uh, the draft minutes of the Mighty Peace Tourism uh, Association board meeting, June 22nd. And Laura Love from the museum is the person who attends on behalf of the town, I think. So any questions somebody wants to relay to her? They look like they're trying to do videos and things about points of interest, so. Okay. Um, the briefing note, MPC minutes of October 28th. Uh, is there anything we wanna say about that committee members? Okay, would somebody like to move the acceptance of the uh, section nine reports, uh, one, two, three, four, and five? Um, is Downing, all those in favor? Thank you, it's carried. Okay, we're now on to information items, section 10. Um, you've had a chance to review the response letter for the Ministry of Children's Services with respect to the funding of Peace Outreach Campus. And this was um, dealing with um, how the Family Services Network uh, is the new entity instead of um, child and family or community and social services, I guess. So anyways, um, a response letter saying um, things are being taken care of as far as I got on that one. Any other questions, comments on that letter? Okay, the another, next one is the letter from the Amist um, with respect to the Peace River Hydroelectric Project and basically saying things are on hold. Any further comments there? And the last one, Forest Products Association of Canada, the Green Dream Blogger Award. And um, this one uh, congratulates a um, young student, a Ariana Lugman, who is the Green Dream Blogger um, recipient. And she is receiving a $1,000 scholarship for the blog that she is 
responsible for under her uh, terms, I guess. So congratulations to Ariana. Uh, would someone like to move the acceptance of the information items one, two, three? Mr. Needham, all those in favor? Uh, it's carried, great. Okay, any notices of motion, Mr. Town? Or Ms. McQuaig, nope. Um, how about comments from the public? We have received none. Okay. Do we need to wait a second or two or we're good to go? Maybe while that's happening then, uh, I don't think there's any comments. Um, Ms. Hume, key information or key communication items. Um, fairly administrative meeting. Uh, as we move forward on the plans related to uh, accessibility, we'll make sure to make sure that that is communicated. Other than that. Anything nothing. else uh, councillors wish to highlight, admin? Great, good to go. Okay, so we're now um, uh, going to be going into closed session. So should we take a, a five minute break and uh, come back? So we'll be back at 6.42, according to my computer. Okay, so we're on break and you need to go to the other meeting. <laughs>